Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Cannabis, a.k.a. Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Berno! Wow! Free agency! What's up? Free free agency has begun. It has been a long time since we have spoken as we didn't have a show on Friday. And now, by the time we reconvene, Free agency in the NBA began yesterday, and there were there was a ton of movement. My first inclination is to say that the story of the opening of free agency was the Miami Heat. Do you agree with this? I mean, yes. they, they signed yep. they signed Butler to the max. They signed Kyle Lowry, who was kind of the big fish in what was not a massive free agent class. They re-signed Duncan Robinson. They, and then the surprise of the night, adding P.J. Tucker, which yeah. nobody really saw coming, and there wasn't really a connection there. Uh, but the Heat are probably at top of mind and a team that seriously, I think, moved the needle for themselves for the upcoming season. 100%. I mean, I think you nailed it there, Chris, because originally when we're talking about the idea of the Miami Heat getting Kyle Lowry, there was the stuff out there about maybe Lowry and DeRozan um, and DeRozan still hasn't signed yet. So we'll see where he goes. But the, part of the worry was that who would they be losing to make all this happen? Um, would they have to lose Duncan Robinson? 
No, the answer was no, that they are able, are able to return their one of the best shooters in basketball. Now who can be in a backcourt with uh, a point guard and Kyle Lowry, who it's not like heat culture needs any more toughness and grit from Lowry and Tucker, but them having that kind of organically the way they play and bringing it there. In addition to other stuff, Lowry isn't just the guy who takes charges or drives to the basket or facilitates He's a really good shooter himself, both off the catch, off the dribble, coming off screens, regardless of the action. So for Eric Spolster now, Miami's half-court offense so often ran stagnant in past couple of years. But now with Kyle Lowry, they're going to have a level of creativity they didn't have before. And you factor in the possibility of Bam Adebayo getting a little bit better, continuing to extend, extend his jump shot range. If you factor in, you know, Tyler hero after struggling as a sophomore, getting back on track to what he did during his rookie season, during that bubble run, maybe Tyler hero takes a mini leap as well. This heat roster, you know, adding Tucker to just feels really complete. Chris, like they still get to add some minimum guys, you know, to round out the bench, but this feels like a really deep, complete roster overall. Well, and we are going to see who is sacrificed, but we were talking about Duncan Robinson. You wondered, especially during the season, uh, you know, does it cost you Tyler Hero? Maybe who I know had a down second year, uh, but certainly I and many others still have belief in. Um, Didn't cost you Robinson. Didn't cost you Hero. Probably cost you, what, Kendrick Nunn? And it could cost Nunn, yeah. Okay. That's Which it? you're okay with because yeah, you got I mean, Kyle Lowry. Right? And, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Drogic. We'll see what happens. And, and Precious Tachua had to go back to Toronto as well in the deal. That's right. Um, so, I mean, we'll know. see what happens with them with losing a couple of guys. But, I mean, all in all, you look at their roster. And if I'm throwing out, and let's just say I have Robinson as my fifth guy or Hero as my fifth guy, whatever. But I'm throwing out there Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. I mean, good luck. You know what I mean? Look, you might win, but you'll be beat up and it's not going to be fun. (laughs) Right? I mean, that's kind of Rottweilers. I mean, like, you don't know if that team's going to be able to beat the Brooklyn Nets, you know, with whatever, like, looking way ahead to the playoffs here. You don't know, like, playoff series is so hard to project right now. These rosters aren't done. There'll be more moves made this offseason. There'll be more moves made during the season. But, like, this Heat team it's a given that they will be tough. Whether they win a series or they lose in five or six, this team is built, you know, top to bottom to be a tough out. And, and like that Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler backcourt, I, I would assume like team chemistry is going to be at a high level too, with those two guys, <laughs> they're, they're, they're BFFs. So uh, Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler playing together. Uh, that's going to add some nice balance to that heat offense too. Instead of always, you know, needing Butler to be an initiator. Sometimes maybe he can be a finisher. And not only that, like we could see with Bam out of bio, having the ability to handle the ball and create the way he does, like there's some room for some real positionless basketball here with the heat with losing Lowry as a screener, Butler as a screener, you know, guy, guys being interchangeable in different positions on the floor that the heat could suddenly be look from a stagnant offense at times in the half court to a pretty dynamic one, just because of the piece and Kyle Lowry that, that was added 
So we talk about these teams moving the needle. And of course they were, they were in the finals two years ago, took a big step backwards last year and was not a great season, but now they're right back in it. And they're certainly going to be on the list of legitimate title contenders after what took place yesterday. Um, not a legitimate title contender, but certainly a lot more fun to flip on throughout the season is going to be the Chicago Bulls who went and added Lonzo Ball and they added Alex Caruso. Really, without sacrificing anything that mattered to me. I mean, it's a Sadoransky, um, Garrett Temple, a pick. You know, I... I told you a couple of weeks ago, I'd be surprised if the Pelicans let Lonzo go. And that was only because I had read this article where Ingram and Zion were effusive in their praise about Lonzo, talked about wanting to build with Lonzo going forward, and very hopeful that he would get paid. You know, they they were obviously friends and fans of this guy. And it was my thinking that, all right, like the coaching thing has already been a massive screw up regarding Zion. This is, he's already going to be on a third coach. So at least maybe some stability roster wise and the guys that he likes, like maybe even if you didn't foresee a circumstance where you, wanted to bring back Alonzo at the number, which isn't a terrible number, by the way. Um, you would just say, look, <laughs> like we, we, we've kind of screwed around with this whole Zion first couple of years. We can't screw around anymore. And if we get rid of a guy that he really wants on the team, this could, this could have a poor effect on us. And so I was surprised, honestly. I really thought they'd bring him back. And I mean, obviously a loss for the Pelicans not to have Lonzo back. It didn't work with him. Um, I can understand wanting to shake it up and change things there. But for the Bulls here with Lonzo Ball, now it's Zach Levine in that backcourt. Um, you know, Alex Caruso adding him, one of the better defensive wings in the league. They still have Vucevic, you know, in the paint. But like, there's no doubt this offense is going to be dynamic and it's going to be fun to watch. And they're going to score a lot of points. The question is going to be, can they get enough stops? And without the, you know, great point of attack defenders, um, having Alonzo ball, who's great off the ball, great away from the ball, super dynamic. He's a playmaker on the ball is not a lockdown guy. Zach Levine has never been a lockdown guy. Adding a guy like Caruso is important. Having Patrick Williams take another step forward. Now entering his second season is going to be critical. I wonder if this team has enough defense to be more than like a, a six seed or a playing team. Cause the East is still strong up top. I mean, like, how, do you feel like this bulls team is just kind of destined for towards the middle? I mean, but is that okay though? Because like you're a big market team and if you have nice young players and maybe you're, you're the team that suddenly the next star wants to go to, I like, is that okay? Yeah. Here's what I would say. I would say you have built out to where you figure out what your team is at the absolute worst. You've got more good players that have value. So if you look at it and you say, all right, the best version of us might not be with 
a center that takes a lot of shots that is a right uh, the Vucevic type. Maybe he's not the ideal fit with these kind of guys. Well, there's there, there's teams that will line up to trade for him, right? Uh, same thing goes with Lonzo. Caruso's going to have value. I look up and down and I say, all right, even if I don't know what the ceiling is or what I expect these teams to do, I sit there and say, all right, are you improving your roster up and down the line to where if it doesn't take in the way that you want it to, that you have malleability, that you can you can move this stuff in order to improve. And so I am for, if you are not one of these teams, there was nothing the Bulls were going to do that were going to get them to be a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. All right, that wasn't happening. And so what is your goal? Your goal to me is accumulation of talent. And I think they took a step forward in the accumulation of talent. Meanwhile, you know, you look on that on that on that Pelican side and I just wonder, I mean maybe they believe a lot in Nikhil, who I liked, maybe uh Kira Lewis, you know who they drafted last year, but I mean you're not rolling in there with Sadoransky as your starting point guard on that team. That seems that seems ludicrous to me. And the other thing is, you know, if you are, it, I, I just, I, I would have figured you could have gotten more back if you're signing and trading Lonzo anyway. You know, like something I really want in the deal. So, I mean, you saw they gave up a, a 2022 lottery protected first round pick for Devontae Graham. Like that, to your point, you're, you're, that's what you would have been hoping for, right? Yeah. You're saying- I mean, I would have gotten something. Right to somebody that want that really wants Lonzo on the team. Um, I just I, I think that you have maybe it doesn't all fit, but to me, it's a better problem to have to have uh, Levine and Lonzo and Caruso and Kobe White, and then like okay, what does this mean for all these guys? How are we going to play all these guys together? Like you can thin out the roster and you can improve other areas because these guys are assets. And so, yes, you try to be the best team you can, but you also are dealing with asset accumulation when you're not a team that is going to easily make this leap to one of the, be- the, the top seeds um, in the conference. Well, I, mean, I mean, with the Pelicans, that that's kind of the yesterday I tweeted out what a bummer it is. You go from thinking about targeting Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry to thinking about Spencer Dinwiddie or Devonte Graham. And then you land Tomas Sadoransky in a trade and a bunch of Pelicans fans are pissed at me. Like free agency's not over. Like, what are you saying? Trying to go for hot takes. I'm like, I'm not, wasn't that wasn't like a hot take statement. It was just like, what a bummer. <laughs> like you go from these star players to getting Sadoransky in a deal in return for Lonzo. I mean, they well, did sign react they, in the moment. Yeah. I mean, right? I, I don't, so guess what? You know what I mean? It, it, it you know, as they say, if it's uh, if it's sugar, it's sugar. If it's ish, it's ish. And at the time, like right now, you react to what is going on yeah, in the it, moment. It, of course, if they swing a deal and they take Brandon Ingram and a bunch of other stuff and they swing it for Damian Lillard and they end up with him, then guess what? We'll be the first one to say, "Wow, oh my God, look at what they did." But as it stands right now, that team is not better. I mean, how is that? They, how are they better? They're 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 different. You know, they, they, they traded away, you know, some of the defensive presence that, that Lonzo Ball brings and in return essentially get 
more offense and in the in the form of shooting. That's not what they needed. It's not what they needed. And I'm though. a Valentunas like, guy, but Valentunas isn't a great fit next to Zion. Better than better than Steven Adams, but not like the perfect fit. It's better than Steven Adams in that he is might be able to stand out a little bit more. Yeah, hit some mid range. Um, maybe they have him shoot some more threes. Maybe, but not a better fit in Steven Adams in that he needs shots. Yeah, Steven Adams doesn't need shots. How He's would only- you? How would you rank like Valanciunas's defense? Passable, would you say? I, I think the Grizzlies were very uh, fortunate in terms of, and and they made this decision probably despite the fact of who their opponents were. But they played against Golden State in order to get in the thing, right? And Golden State had absolutely no answer for him. He created such a massive advantage and an advantage that they couldn't necessarily take advantage of uh, on the offensive end as much, right? And then they played a team that plays a true center and wants to play a true center and brings in a center for another center in Derek Favors. And so the things... The, the, the Valanciunas getting played off the court as he would have if you're facing the Clippers, if you're facing a lot of these teams, you know, that didn't come up in the same way. He was still able to provide the advantage. But there's no question, you get to play off basketball, he's not he's not the guy. I mean, they played him like they played Brooke Lopez in, uh, in Milwaukee, you know, which is where the coach came from. You know, they they played a lot of drop coverage. He's never coming out past the three-point line. And so if you have a team that can really make you pay for a guy that doesn't leave the paint, then, I mean, that's just not, that's not the defender he is. He's not going to be up there and showing out a pick and roll and sprinting back and contesting something at the rim. He's not going to be uh, a guy that's out there at the three-point line, you know, contesting something. I mean, he is, he's an old school five. That's what he is, you know, and there are limitations to that with the way people play nowadays. Now I will tell you, he is as good a low post scorer as there is in the entire league. You give him the ball, he is a bucket. But they got Brandon Ingram and Zion next to him. Like, where do you fall in on that pecking order? I mean, he was... He was a leading shot taker or a second leading shot taker on many nights. Part of this is like you said about the Bulls, just bringing in some good talent. You know, isn't that part of it here for the Pelicans that you're bringing in some talent, you're biding your time, potentially waiting for a moment to strike with one of those stars who become available. And maybe Maybe that's, maybe that star wouldn't have new Orleans on their list. Well, I mean, Damian Lillard, if you have four years left on your contract and come January, you're like, you want out. You don't have a choice necessarily with where that's you fair. go. So for the Pelicans, I, I'm sure that's an element of it here. And with Devontae Graham um, getting him late last night, that that's that's a nice player to add there. You know, with Devontae Graham, he's ad, adding some shooting for you. Shoots 42% off the catch the last two years. That's going to be important when you're running a lot of offense through Zion, through Ingram, to have a knockdown shooter off the catch who can shoot threes off of some movement actions as well. And then off the dribble, Graham isn't like some, you know, dominant, you know, super efficient three-point scorer. 
but he does shoot. You know, he can shoot off the bounce from three, which could create some situations that you're using Zion as a screener and creating that type of offense in the half court. So for the Pelicans here, I think that the fit is not necessarily like it doesn't necessarily make them better, but makes them different. And I think that like that in and of itself does make them a more appealing team this year, even though they're nowhere near complete, nowhere near the level that they need to be in terms of talent on the floor or competency to keep like a guy like Zion Williamson incredibly well, to me, happy. Graham's a heater. Like he's not, I, I can't have him in he's my streaky. starting lineup. He's streaky. Yeah. I yeah. want him as my Lou Williams. I want him as my Jordan Clarkson. He could end up that. He could end up that. That could be the long-term plan is yes. having Devontae Graham as your sixth man, even if he ends up starting right now. Right. Uh, but when we're talking about, uh, like, I guess the plan is to score 160 points a game because he does not help you defensively either. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the defensive improvement that comes down to Zion and Ingram. I really do. Those guys gotta buy in. Brandon Ingram. I've said this a hundred times in the pod. I love that dude as a player. I didn't vote for him as most improved player his first year at the Pelicans because he got worse on defense. He got worse on defense than what he was with the Lakers. I don't see how somebody who gets worse on defense can be voted most improved player of the year. I'm sorry. And unless that improvement happens, this team isn't going to go to the level that it needs to. Unless Zion Williamson continues to get better on defense like he did last year. To his credit, effort improved, focus improved, intensity improved. He got better individually as a defender. He still needs to get way better than he was. And unless that happens from your two young stars, the two faces of the franchise, the team's not going anywhere. It's on those guys to get better. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Were there any contracts that were signed yesterday that blew you away or that you were shocked by there was only one that when it came across because i had the alerts on and when i scrolled i went what <laughs> what the zach collins one i was like what zach collins. Side exact collins mm. i mean i just i mean good for him see that Great that deal. one didn't make it's funny like you said that that one didn't make me Really, when is the last like time you remember watching him play basketball? Well, that's just the thing. Like Gonzaga, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> though. Like his value is plummeted. But he got twenty something million dollars, twenty two million over three years, and I I think that's kind of why I was thinking he's a guy only twenty three years old that some team is going to take a shot on. He some team is going to take a shot on him, and the Spurs are the type of team that it makes sense. I mean, he played 11 games in 2019, 20 did not play at all last season for Portland. Uh, last time we really saw him fully healthy was the 18, 19 season and he wasn't great. 
coming off the bench for the Blazers. He he showed some of the potential that made him a lottery pick, but I mean, he's a guy that dealt with a lot of injuries early in his career, and I'm, and I'm not saying this will be a smart contract. I'm not saying it'll look like the right thing to do, but I kind of get it just because we're talking about a young player who is compared to Al Horford, you know, as a big who can shoot threes and switch screens. I get the appeal and then a risk like a team that the Spurs are trying to take because it's very clear with their draft pick of Josh Primo in the lottery using the 12th pick young raw player who may not do much his first or first or second year in the league before he can, you know, build up his body, build up his skills to compete at the NBA level. This seems like a team, you know, Rudy Gay's gone going to the jazz. DeMar DeRozan could be gone. Patty Mills could be gone. All those older guys. So long it's in with the youth and a guy like Zach Collins kind of makes sense to me. Um, I just, for I, that I, if I had seen him play basketball in years, I'd, I'd, I think it would make more sense to me. Well, that's the I thing. Just, the, the only reason like you're getting him for 22 million over three years because he's never been in a position to show his potential because he didn't play last year. Had he played last year, that deal might be more, even if he didn't like pop necessarily. No. No, and that's the reason. That's the reason that yeah. I'm surprised, right? I mean, I figure you'd be a one-year guy. You, like you, that's the kind of guy you give a trial run to. You've been injured, you know. I, w- I wonder if he wanted the a security. A guy like that gets a one-year deal, a prove-it deal. You know what well, I mean? I well, saw this. I wonder go- if he wanted the long-term deal. I, I wonder if there were opportunity. I don't know if there what de- deals are on the table, but I wonder if there were opportunities to sign a one-year, $10 million contract and he's like, I want the security just in case, just in case I, I, I don't, I don't stay healthy anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I could, I could see that. I mean, Oh no, no, no. I, th- again, I could see a hundred percent him wanting that. I am surprised a team gave him that without, you know, I, I figured he'd have to do a show me deal. I mean, you got to pay somebody ultimately. A lot of guys and, do. Well, they uh, paid Doug McDermott yeah. too. They did pay Doug McDermott, Doug McDermott as well. And I think for, you know, deals that surprised me, um, the, the dollar figure for Duncan Robinson, uh, it's just amazing in the sense that three years ago, he's an undrafted free agent amazing. and Miami signs him. And now he's signing for $90 million over five years. You know, I'm not saying like that's too paying him too much. It's just amazing. Then three it's going years, great. somebody else would have done it for elite shooters for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, Somebody else would have done it, but that is a it is a shocking number. What did you make of all the all the Knicks signings that came in? Obviously, they they brought back some of their guys. You figured they'd bring back Derrick Rose, Alec Burks. Uh, they brought back Nerlens Noel, and then I guess the one that was on a different team that they signed was Fournier. You like that fit there? I mean, $78 million over four years of a team option in the last year. It's a heck of a lot of money for Evan Fournier. Um, but like, I think it's important to look at these deals in the context of what's the five-year plan. And if you're the Knicks, your plan is to acquire a star <laughs> that becomes available via trade or you know in free agency. And Evan Fournier at around, you know, just under $20 million annually. And like I said, with the team option in the last year, it's not an untradeable contract for, you know, sign and trade purposes in the future for flipping him for like a Damian Lillard or, you know, if you need to just outright trade him to create cap space. 
Fournier is the type of guy who can help you a little bit now and then become tradable down the line. There's no guarantee those opportunities will become available. We've seen the Knicks strike out before, but I do think what they did this offseason so far with Fournier, even in the draft, in the draft, getting like Grimes, this is a team that's going to continue to look competent and competitive. So they're going to maintain that status this coming season and in the years to come. But like in a vacuum, I just don't know that you needed to spend that to get to have that level well, of competitiveness. Somebody, somebody, they were bidding against somebody because Evan Fournier for a couple of days, it was, I was being told that it was 54 million over three years mm. with a team option on the third year that turns into 78 million over four years with a team option in the fourth year. So the, some, the, the first number is much more palatable. Kev. <laughs> somebody else, somebody was bidding out there. Somebody was going after Fournier. And why wouldn't they, though? 28 years old, really good shooter, can do a little bit off the dribble for you. Like, Fournier is not a bad player. No, it's not, but I but I just drafted. I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful still that R.J. Barrett is going to grow into something really yeah, special. I don't, I don't think Barrett and like, I don't think their skills clash. They're different types of guys. Like, Fournier and Barrett can play together. You're like, you got to have good players to help develop your young guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying like it's a terrific signing. Evan Fournier signing of the summer for the Knicks. I'm not saying just, that, but like they have to bring in somebody. They have to bring in somebody. And Fournier is not a bad option. It's just, if you're a Knicks fan, it's just unfortunate that, that this wasn't a summer where there was a marquee star on the market that wanted to go to New York. Kawhi seems to be staying with the Clippers potentially. Lowry, as we already talked about, went to Miami. There, it's not like a loaded class of stars for the Knicks to pursue. So it's just kind of bad timing in that sense. I wonder if uh, everybody just watched Evan Fournier torch Team USA, and so the the price of business went up. He did do that. I'll give him that. He torched Team USA uh, when they played about a week and a half ago. Do you... Uh, I don't know... Well, I'm going to ask you because you might have some intel on this. Um, do you know if the Kings sit around and say, which shitty center of the last 10 years have we not acquired yet? And then they go after whoever it is because they signed Alex Len yesterday. Oh, and I, thought, I just I thought wondered. You were about, I thought you were talking trash Tristan? about my, my guy, oh, Tr- Holmes. No. Oh no, Tristan Thompson! Don't you dare, Alex Len! Like, don't you dare! Is there any crappy center that has not worn a Kings jersey anymore? Like, is there anybody they could go acquire? When they I saw that come across as like Sacramento Kings signed Alex Len. I'm like, for what? Why do they always every year? I swear the Kings sign another friggin' Bobo center. It doesn't I mean, make any a, sense to me. He's not a Bobo center. Yes, like, he is. He stinks. Not. It's just like a couple of years ago. Remember all those Kings fans jumped on me about Dwayne Deadman. They had to like cut him <laughs> but, within but three months. But like a Bobo, like, no, he's not. He's, he, he's not Alex a Bobo Land? center though. I mean, he's not saying he's great. I'm not saying anything like that, but he's, he's a rotation big. What? What he can rotation? Be, he can be in a rotation for you playing 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> on a terrible team. I suppose. What yeah. what good team has he ever gotten minutes for? Am I am I mistaking him for somebody else? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, like Bobo Center. I mean, 
But like Tristan Thompson, like he like he's got his right. flaws, but he's not a horrific. I didn't player, say I didn't say Tristan is. Thompson. He stinked, uh, but I didn't call him a Bobo center. I call Alex Lynn a Bobo okay. center. Well, I mean, and, well, well, let's focus on Rashawn Holmes, though. Our guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, shout out to all the uh, Celtics blockers. Uh, your team obviously really loved Tristan Thompson a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not one to rub it in. I'm not one to rub it. Great yeah. team chemistry guy. Yeah. Um, Excellent team chemistry guy. That's for sure. I have a memory of an elephant as well. He's on the first thing smoking yeah. out of there. Yeah, that, that, that was funny that time. But I'm um, like with Rashawn Holmes, uh, one of the first guys, Chris, that you and me connected on that's right back in 2016 and congratulations to our friend Rashawn Holmes for signing a 55 million dollar contract to stay with the Sacramento Kings I'm so happy for Rashawn Holmes I'm so happy for the Rashawn Holmes jersey that you bought me way back in 2016 <laughs> a Sixers uh, well, one yes, that's four Sixers teams one. ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, a, what a journey what a journey what a, for Rashawn Holmes I, I'm, oh, I'm excited for him. <laughs> I tell you this, it was good for big men. It really was, Kev, because not only did Holmes get that, how about the bag that Jared Allen got? How about Kelly Olenek, 37 million too. A lot of bigs yeah. getting paid. I think Jared Allen, 100 mil, huh? Yeah, 100 and yeah, five years, 100 for uh, for Cleveland. I like that deal a lot too. I like Jared Allen quite yeah, a I bit. Li- I like Jared, a lot, Jared Allen a lot too. Defense, has great hair, plays Energy. hard. Likes Dragon Ball Z. Um, Big energy. Great great fit with Evan Mobley. I look forward to watching the Cavs, man. I really do. I mean that. A backcourt with, we'll see if Colin Sexton stays around, but Sexton, Garland, Mm -hmm. uh, and the backcourt, you got Okoro at the wing, Nance still in the picture right now, and then a frontcourt with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Those guys can be versatile together. You know, you can play with both of them because Mobley can space the floor, defend the perimeter or you can play with just one of them. A lot of lineup flexibility popping up now for the Cavaliers. So I I like what they're building. That's a good young core. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Lot of pissed-off Laker fans yesterday, Kev. Oh, bye-bye, Caruso. Well, like he was kind of the last, I guess it'll be Taylor Horton Tucker now, but I mean, and he should of, be back Horton Tucker. That's right, my right. impression but of the guys that are like, you know, homegrowns, 
right? Like that you've always rooted for, that have never worn another jersey. Like that's our guy. He's always been, and he is synonymous with team, and you've rooted for him for multiple years and throughout his journey. There becomes, as a fan base, there becomes a different connection to the players, right? Um, that many times there are guys that, you know, you just say, I, 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 I know what the cost is for this guy. I just want to root for this guy. You know, like I want, I want him on my team. I know there might be some better options, but I got more fun rooting for this guy. And I really got that sense yesterday, right? That there's, there was, there's a lot of criticism I saw on social media. And I'm not talking about from outside. I'm talking about from, from inside, Lakers from fans. Lakers fans. Yeah. They were mad about the Caruso yeah, thing because the, the Lakers inability- could have paid him. Yeah, to bring to bring him back, like they wanted him back on that team, because at least it would be some connection to this pre, you know, mercenary team, as it were. Right in the end, team uh, fans still love a connection to the players that they brought in, that their team drafted, that they watched grow. Uh, in that jersey and the Caruso and, and have those moments over the good and the bad. He was also the last vestige of the last connection to like pre LeBron, right? Yeah. That's it. Like there is no, is that it? I, I guess he was the end of the line. He was the yep. only bridge between the uh, LeBron era and the era before, which was not a great era, but that's the real fans. The real fans are the ones that lived and died with Alex Caruso every night when they weren't winning any games. Yeah, they're, they're the fans that watched Andre Ingram, yes. you know, get yes. an opportunity with the Lakers, right? And, yes. and I think with Caruso, obviously for Lakers fans, it's disappointing to lose a guy like that for all the reasons you stated. Yep. Um, but, you know, when you're contending for championships, this is what happens a lot of the time is players come and go and guys get paid. They get opportunities with new teams and like he got paid a good amount, 37 million over four years. And so for the Lakers being a luxury tax team, instead, they're pivoting to some of these veterans, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza on top of acquiring Russell Westbrook. So, you know, Caruso, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard, getting him back as well. Um, so for the Lakers, Russell Westbrook, you and me, Chris, have argued about him a lot over the years. Um, the lack of spacing they'll have with certain lineups is definitely concerning. And I feel like with some of the some of the decisions they've made, like Ariza, like Ellington, like Bazemore, it seems like they're trying to go with some cheaper veterans who can shoot um, to surround Westbrook, LeBron, and AD with. My question for you is, you know, was it the right choice going for Russell Westbrook here rather than Buddy Heald and, and possibly bring back Dennis Schroeder? Did they take the right path here with their decision last Thursday to go for Westbrook? My concern would be this. Not as much the whole... I, I think great basketball players in many cases can figure it out. Um but my concern would be how do you get the best of LeBron and the best of Westbrook simultaneously? There is little to no evidence that Russell Westbrook 
can be an effective off-ball player. If you believe he can be, you are believing in something that you have never seen. And I worry that while both are amazing players, you did, you never got the best version of Chris Paul when he was playing with James Harden. I think we all freely admit that, right? We saw people were talking about it being the end of the line for Chris Paul. Chris Paul's lost that first step. He can't get by people anymore, whatever. He was helped lead the team to the finals this past year, right? But can you, because Chris Paul at his best has the ball in his hands. He's running things. Russell Westbrook at his best is running things. LeBron James at his best is running things. And so that would be the concern for me more so than can you, can this all work if you flank them with a couple of shooters? It's more of how does it work? How do I get the best of these guys if they can't both have the ball in their hands? And I would have, I would have built around LeBron and AD differently. I would have. And, and I say this as a Westbrook guy. I mean, I look at all those guys and I say, look, the, 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 uh, a lot of times now, you've got to have, you've got to have stars and role players. Now, I think that one thing, one thing that I could be very persuaded by, because this happened to them last year with the Westbrook thing is, what are the chances LeBron's playing 70-plus games? What are the chances AD's playing 70-plus games? Like, if there is one thing, Westbrook has been intensely durable. And so now, in the absence of one of those, even on a night that they want to rest, or if they miss 20 games, you know, or might be to that point in, the, in career, that you're in a lot better shape than you were last year when you lost those guys you know, or you lost one of those guys. So it does give you some kind of insurance on that level. But in terms of both of them simultaneously being at their best at the same time, I have real doubts about that, no matter who the other two guys that you're flanking them with are. Yeah, I mean, Russell Westbrook, you know, improves everything you just said in the sense that like they need somebody who can help handle the ball over the course of the season. So LeBron and AD aren't worn down come playoff time. And if any time those guys need rest, you know Westbrook is going to bring it. Regular season Westbrook is going to be an important part of that team. The question throughout the entire year will be, how does he evolve for come playoff time when LeBron James at some point inevitably takes control, as he should, <laughs> as one of the best players ever? Right. Um, and will we see Anthony Davis play more center? It's been reported that he will, that we'll see more 80 at the five uh, with LeBron at the four, but they did just bring back Dwight Howard after one year in Philly. Marcus soul indicated that he'll be back. So we're going to see plenty of, you know, two big lineups as well for the Lakers, which could limit some spacing with Westbrook. Um, has there been any skill development? As a shooter, did he return to prior form as a free throw shooter, as a spot up three point shooter? Will there be any evolution in his desire to do the things that we haven't seen him do? Like you said, Chris, playing off ball, would he be willing to cut to the rim, stand inside it, like at the dunker spot and be a finisher around the paint? Like, I really believe, I truly believe Westbrook could do those things. I, I believe it. 
if he committed to it. And I think it could be effective, essentially, essentially having Westbrook as your center and certain half court sets. Like we talk about positionless basketball all the time. Westbrook is equipped to do that or facilitate depending on what the, the matchup and the situation really necessitates. Will it's we hard. see those things? I don't know if we're going to see those things, Chris. And I it's don't also, know. Kev, it's hard to foresee a circumstance. Like, why do I not just put five guys with a foot on the paint? Well, we, we're going to see that. We're going like, to see that at some point. Why, why, do I, why do I not? We're going to see Because Wayne that. Ellington's going to bomb me out? Yeah. Yeah. Trevor Ariza. <laughs> I mean, we're going right? to see that. And, and that's, that's where the, the concern is and why I don't, I don't think there's a clear answer. Like, in a vacuum, you choose Russell Westbrook over Buddy Heald and Dennis Schroeder. Like, obviously. But basketball is not built in a vacuum. Like, there's, you know... Well, every, every, like every, every detail we're talking about, like, doesn't even, it's just the tip of the iceberg with how you build out a roster and the discussions well, the front office is happening. And the other thing is it's the choice to me because it's not about like, of course, if you're going to tell me you can have Dennis Schroeder, you can have Russell Westbrook. I'm taking Russell Westbrook every time. I don't care mm-hmm. about the spacing and all that other crap. The healed thing is the fascinating one to me because that was real. According to everybody in the free world, that was real. And it was real. Yeah. Is that a choice at his number that would be more prudent? And I would say yes. I would say yes. I would say yes, because I think that the best versions of, think about how many guys, think about how many moments that guys like KCP or whoever had over the years uh, where, and you think about even the end of some of those games a couple of years ago in the bubble where LeBron's getting all that attention, he whips it over. And that's the reason they had Danny, Danny Green. Now, Danny Green wasn't making them, but the whole idea is like, this guy's going to command all attention. He's going to make the right basketball play. He's whipping it to the guy who gets the wide open three. And that guy with the wide open three is who? Those are the also Rands. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that you're just adding for a very cheap price, 15 year veterans, Trevor Ariza and, uh, and, and, and Wayne Ellington and, and Taylor Horton Tucker, who's not really a shooter and whoever, I mean, you, you just, you create yourself so many open threes when you play with players like this. And why would I not go and get the best, one of the top five shooters in the world in buddy healed? I just, I think that that would be a, I think that would be a much better fit with LeBron and AD. To me, that's devastating because that really is, really? You want to try to, because if you don't double him, he's driving to the basket on you or he's getting fouled. And if you do bring that guy and he throws it out to a wide open Buddy Heel, that is a different world than throwing it out to a wide open Danny Green. Yeah. Because Buddy Heel is a bucket, you know? No doubt about it. I mean, he he's an absolute flamethrower from yes. three. You know, both off the that's catch. What he does, you know, and that's screens. all he would have to do. Yeah. All and, he would and, have to do. I mean, at Westbrook, Westbrook adds a different element than Healdwood, obviously, with his playmaking, creation, downhill attacking. He can create threes because of his ability to get into the paint. But Buddy Heald, I mean, I wish we could have seen it. I think Buddy Heald in this type of offense would just completely blossom. But one thing, I, I it's still not out 
as of recording, you know, 1148 AM Eastern right now that they could get healed. It would have to involve a sign and trade with a guy like Horton Tucker or Schroeder. Uh, it's been reported that the Kings don't want Schroeder. No surprise there, considering the fact they just drafted Mitchell on top of drafting Halliburton last year and already having Fox with a max deal. Why would they want Schroeder? But Horton Tucker, you know, I, I could see that. I, I haven't heard, not heard a single thing about the Kings being connected to Horton Tucker, um, but I suppose it's still theoretically possible that the Kings could land Buddy Heal, um, that the Lakers could land Buddy Healed. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like that's going to be something that's happening. That's somebody that I thought, you know, there was a minor connection last summer. That's somebody that Philly should really take a look at. Buddy Heald, again, yeah. Another, another perfect fit. Like, we live in an era where, like, you just saw there is a reason all these guys that could shoot the basketball got paid an absolute fortune yesterday, Kev. <laughs> right? It's the name of the game right now, and that's what people want. Duncan Robinson's getting $90 million. Evan Fournier getting what he got from the Knicks. Doug McDermott is uh, signing a contract. Tim Hardaway Jr., who was shooting fireballs in the playoffs last year, gets another big contract. I mean, you can go up and down the list. If you can shoot the ball, you're going to get paid. Nowadays. Funny, the crazy thing is about Hardaway is I heard the Pelicans offered him almost $90 million. Over Whoa. four years, and he ended up staying with Dallas. So, I wow. mean, like the, the market for shooters was significant. And for him to stay with Dallas shows, you know, that he's happy there and wants to play with Luca. And 74 and million he took instead of 90? Yeah, I think it was 88 million was the number that I heard. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's a, it's a big difference, you know, $14 million. Um, but, but I guess what's the, it's like, what's the difference between 88 million and $74 million in terms of quality of life? <laughs> well, you also have the, uh, the, uh, low, the no low, state taxes for yeah, Texas. It, it, I'm not sure what it is in, in Louisiana. The, pr- the price of living. Oh, it is insane. Especially now, now in social media, I am aware of what things cost in all of these different cities around the, around the country. And every time I see something from Texas, it's like, <laughs> Like I said, $600,000 will get you this house. And there's like a gate and a waterfall and a butler. And I'm like, good grief. So maybe that's why Tim Hardaway uh, stayed where he <laughs> wanted to stay, I suppose. Um, other guys yesterday that we got news uh, free agent wise, a couple years ago, out of that draft, um, guys were eligible for extensions. We had at least. Three maxes, right? You had Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, got a five-year 172, which is rather unbelievable. Like, you think about where he was drafted uh, just a few years ago and that he's on his second team, and he got a max. Of course, we knew Trey and Luca would both get their uh, max extensions, and those are over $200 million. And so we do have some of those guys. There are still going to be guys... I mean, we, we'll have to look up and down to find out what guys from that class end up getting. There hasn't been uh, an eight and one yet, right? No, not yet. No. He's the number one pick. Obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, will be up for his. That was the other top five pick. Marvin Bagley, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, there were there were rumors that he was that he's going to be traded and maybe he could be part of a projected Buddy Heald thing uh, that you were talking about. So he may end up somewhere else, but the Gildas Alexander one is a 
tremendous case study in we're just a few years removed from that NBA draft where Gildas Alexander made a very late push to get to where he was in the draft, had that amazing SEC tournament, um, and was not, he wasn't even the first Kentucky guy taken that year. Knox was taken ahead of him. And look look where he is now. I mean, five years, $172 million, and certainly one of the guys with, I think we would put on that list of the brightest futures ahead of him in the entire league, right? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. And and signing for that amount of money. I think a lot of these rookie extensions like Gildas Alexander was, you know, it was reported by a number of different people offered for the number one pick um, with the sixth pick to get Cade Cunningham. But the season he had last year with OKC, dude, super underrated. It was. Mm-hmm. He was he was terrific for uh, them before they, had they the shut bench him down. Him. They had a bench. Or, or, he, I, I mean, or he si- had to rehab. Keep, keep him si- yeah, keep him sidelined, you know, still yeah. rehabbing his injury because he was that good. Yes. He was that good for OKC last year. So uh, with them building this thing out now, I, I look forward to seeing him continuing to improve because I don't know if you, uh, every year he's gotten way better. I mean, geez, it's not in this notebook. I'd have to go back and look. But <laughs> I remember at one point in the season, we were, we were doing the show and it was like, all right, why are they... Why are they good? Like, this is crazy. Yeah, and, they like, comp- and like they, and like, like Russillo pointed out to me, their record wasn't reflective of their net rating. Like, statistically, they were bad. Record wise, they were average, but like, they were definitely better, you know, than anybody would have expected. No, no. And it was, but this is, this is what happened. Cause I, why, I, I can't tell you how many times I remember uh, the story telling you that it became commonplace for me and my son to watch league pass at night and he would pull out his little iPod touch and he would pull up the scoreboard and whatever was coming down to the wire, we would flip on. Well, damn near every night he would say flip over to the thunder game because it's coming down to the wire. And the truth is they were the team that was expected to lose every night. They were the underdogs virtually every night teams went in there and dicked around and this is what teams (laughs) do and they say we'll just turn it up when we have to and they just kept catching teams over and over and over again a team would just be like all right last 10 minutes let's crank it up and then Gilgis Alexander would get on a heater or Lou Dort would go and score some points or Darius Baisley or whoever it was like on on different nights that one guy uh was it Moa Mo Brown or whatever. He'd have like Moses 20, Brown. Yeah, 20 something rebounds in some of these games. It's like, all right, we were trying to catch these guys sleeping, and instead we got caught. And they did that over and over again. But their record was not far off from 500, I don't think, with Gildas yeah. Alexander in the lineup, which is just outrageous for a team that won, you know, that obviously lost what? 30 of the last 40 or whatever <laughs> on purpose mission, mission accomplished, except not on the lottery, unfortunately for them. Yeah. They didn't get that accomplished, uh, completely. All right. Give me any others that we've missed Kev that, uh, that we need to talk on. 
Um, obviously, Chris Paul going back to the yep. Suns, 120 million, four years. You know, great for them to get him back. Mike Conley going back to the Jazz, 74 million, three years. You know, good to see him getting a contract. Like you saw him when yep. at one point with Memphis, it looked like, you know, how good is he going to look in the years to come? Nice for him to get that. Norman Powell going back to the Blazers for $90 million over five years. That's a lot of money, uh, but he's a good player and they had to bring him back. Uh, we saw Gary Trent going yep. back to the Raptors. Uh, we saw the picture of him uh, signing his deal. You know, great. You know, I'm happy for him getting big money after going second round. Um, I, I don't, did we miss anybody else, Chris? Uh, Kelly Oubre going, uh, Kelly Oubre hasn't signed yet. Uh, Warriors did sign Otto Porter and Bielitsa. So Oubre likely going elsewhere. Don't know where yet. Will Barton going back yep. to the Nuggets as well. I think that just well, he about adopted covers out. everybody. He had opted out, yeah, so he just he got that extra year basically on there. I think he opted out of 15 and he got 16. So he made himself an extra, you know, million dollars and another year uh, tacked on to that deal. McConnell as well, going back to the Pacers. Payne, six million annually, going back to the Suns. Oh, One of the surprises, Tice going to the Rockets. We didn't also talk about the Bucks yep. not paying P.J. Tucker, letting him go to Miami when they could have paid him. And I don't know, like maybe he didn't want to stay there another year. Maybe he wanted the the sunshine in Miami and then Bobby Porter's going back. They haven't necessarily added quite a lot right now. They've just gotten slightly worse. Mm-hmm. If anything, uh, yeah. I wonder if there's more to come th- that just hasn't happened yet for the bucks. So going to withhold opinion there, but I would hope that they do something with their backcourt adding out of the point guard. Um, I think we, I think we covered, Pretty much everybody. Uh, Jeff Green going to the Nuggets. New team for Jeff Green. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold with the on. Bucks. Who are we missing? The Bucks signed Semi Ojale. Oh, yeah. Of course, they did get Shemi. <laughs> they did get, get a Shemi. gloss over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did get Shemi. So there's their uh, PJ Tucker uh, replacement. <laughs> and they were, they stole a Giannis stopper from the Celtics. That's a big time move, Chris. You got to get Shemi Ojale. <laughs> the Giannis stopper. Is that what they call him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. I never heard that one before. <laughs> Forgive me. We have not spoken since the NBA draft. I listened to all the, uh, all the content that all came four out. parts of the Bill Simmons podcast with me and Ryan. You did all four not. Parts? You were not a huge fan, Kev. The Memphis Grizzlies at the 10th pick. You said this is the first thing, mm-hmm. the first one that I really don't agree with because yep. they have been one of the uh, the darlings of Tell the me why NBA. Tell me why I'm wrong, Chris. Tell me NBA. why I'm wrong. What, what, what is the Grizzlies front office feeding you? Tell me why I'm wrong about Zion Williams. Or are you also not happy? Oh, no. Look, this is where <laughs> I stand. I, I only... <laughs> There was only a few guys that I loved in the draft. I said right off the bat, I would have taken Moody. Okay. That was a guy I loved. I loved Moody and I loved Suggs, right? But Suggs was obviously not not attainable. Um, This was not a draft where I was married to players in the same way. Um, And I'm not going to tell you that. So, Honestly, like outside of like them say Moody, I would have been like super excited because I loved him and I, I, I wanted him. Okay. Other than that, honestly, I got to tell you, I was not going to be like passionate about it either way, because 
in the end, when it comes to the NBA draft, for 15 years, I thought I was better than the team I rooted for at drafting. And I was. I mean, I would say who I'd pick every <laughs> single year, and it would have been better than them. I, have, I don't believe that anymore. They, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's I fair, agree there. right? Yeah. I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt. And that is the fun part about rooting for a team that you think has a good process, a good chain of command, the right, you know, there's not too many cooks in the kitchen that they come to this agreement on the players that they want at these given spots. And so I will tell you that the kid made an unbelievable impression um, when he came and did his press conference and everything. I mean, dad is a mom and dad were both here. Both are military. Dad oh, wow. is le- dad is legitimately a Marine. And mom has been in the army and the air force. All right. So like, this is not, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't draft a goofball. I promise you that. Yeah. Right. A lot of discipline in the family. Really yeah. good head on his shoulders. Um, you know, very, very thoughtful. You know, I, I didn't know the kid. And it's not like I watched Stanford games. I saw the stats and the stats aren't that good. The, everybody that saw him in high school loves Zaire Williams. Loves him. Yeah. And then the kids, and then college, you know. It was a weird I, year for Stanford. It was a very odd year. They, I mean, this is what I was told. Put a mark through it. And now we'll see if that's legitimate or not, right? But put a mark through it. They didn't even use their own facilities. They lived in a hotel. They didn't use their own facilities. They played all these random games at this place and that. Um, They had a COVID thing. And then this particular kid had two deaths in the family during the season. Like the whole thing was just a debacle, right? The whole thing was a debacle for him. And so again, we'll find out. Is that reasons or excuses? But he was the eighth-ranked player and the number one small forward in that high school class. And so we decide, how much do you want to evaluate the 25 games that he played or whatever it was at Stanford? Some of them very good, some of them very bad. But I just wasn't going to get all that passionate about it, honestly, either way. Because I'm just now, and I don't want to, look, I am a huge fan of what you and all these draft analysts do. And it is not, that is not an easy job. And I also am very, very appreciative of everybody's opinion. I also know that in our league, it's the way things work, which is, you know, because you see reactions from fans and analysts, et cetera, on if a guy's going too high or a guy's going too low or whatever the case may be on, on draft night and take for instance, the book night case, right? Okay. So that was, I believe the next pick. So, and there were people that were saying you could add James book night. They even, you know, I think even on TV, they said you could add James book night, right? Okay. Well, so James book night, who I've been told can score in the NBA and I don't know what kind of player he's going to be. Right. But when we first started talking about the NBA draft, James Booknight is nowhere to be found. And then James Booknight is like, you know, kind of tail end of the lottery, or he had moved up and it's like, hey, who's this Booknight guy? You even remember, it's like a couple months ago, I asked you, it was on your board. I said, who is this Booknight guy? I, I didn't even said his name right. 
Buchna. I can't even remember how I said it. I didn't even know how to say his name. So he wasn't a thing at all. And then, from what I've gathered, Oklahoma City pulled, like much like the 49ers did with the whole Mac Jones thing for the, uh, for the, for the, uh, uh, the NFL draft, they pulled the wool over everybody's eye. Everybody thought they were taking book night at six. They scammed everybody and made everybody believe that. And book night was up at six or, you know, right around there in virtually every mock. And so they wanted Josh Giddy, which they got at six, which was shocking to everybody that he went there, right? And so then book night is not going six and he's not going seven and he's not going eight and then he doesn't go nine, he doesn't go 10. And it's like, why is James Booknight, James Booknight in the minds of everybody who's taken in all this public relations and has been built up James Booknight, why isn't James Booknight being taken? And if you didn't take James Booknight, you're crazy when A, nobody gave a flying crap about James Booknight two months ago. He shows up out of nowhere and B, his draft stock was artificially inflated badly because a team was leaking out there how much they love James Booknight. And so everybody thinks he's going to go in the top eight picks of the draft. And so to me, it's like, geez, you passed on James Booknight. Well, like, if if everybody in the mocks had James Booknight at 13, then nobody's saying that, right? It's all based upon our opinions are 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 all based upon whatever we've seen in the mock drafts. Well, and, and that's why and with where Josh they're Primo, supposed to go. That's why huh? with Josh Primo going 12th of the Spurs, there right. was and me included saying, ah, they drafted him too early. They could have traded down and gotten him, but you know. But what you, I mean, you, you, you evaluate the player individually and it doesn't matter who has a player ranked where, where they're expected to go. You take the players that you think is the best choice. And for the Spurs, I didn't love the primo pick, um, but clearly they view him highly and had they traded down. Like my understanding is that, you know, maybe OKC at 16, you know, had they stayed there could have taken him. Um, maybe the Pelicans at 17, I'm told like Primo. So for the Spurs at 12, you know, or the Grizzlies at 10 with Zyra Williams, maybe, maybe he would have been there at 17, but no guarantees. And I, I think for all of these teams, regardless of where players are projected to go, whether it's giddy up at six for OKC, when a lot of people expected him to go late lottery or whether it's Primo who people thought would go in the twenties, you just got to draft the guys that you think are the best because yeah, all that matters like, do, is did you hit do, it doing the draft is such an inexact science. There are so many variables that are impossible to weigh. You don't know how players personalities are going to change in given situations. Once again, millions of dollars, you don't know how that's going to change their work habits. There's so many variables that just come into play with opportunity and minutes and the right coaches, the right shooting coach. Like it, it's an endless list that plays a big factor in the success and yeah. failure of the draft. And not to mention, Chris, there's the randomness element too. 
Sometimes guys just are late bloomers and then well, they pop. Sometimes guys stop getting better. Like the draft is really hard to do, which is why it was, really you hard. were better at picking the draft than the Grizzlies front office who had access to way more resources right. than that you do because yep. those resources don't necessarily make you better well, at and, the draft. And the other thing is there are like, so I, the, the Primo one is a great example, right, Kev? Because people went what the hell because he wasn't high on anybody's list and he wasn't high at anybody's mock draft. But I will tell you, and you, you know this too, if there was a tip that got out there and all of a sudden, you know, Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz on the front of ESPN say updated mock and Josh Primo is 12 on the mock. Then when it comes time for the draft, the Josh Primo goes 12. Nobody's going, what the hell? Because they, they had an awareness of it, right? That this could be so. And so if you don't, right, it's all dependent upon where you are in the mock drafts in terms of the reaction. And I get to come by this honest because I, I just did not watch. The reason I didn't have as many strong opinions about the draft this year is because, of course, I watched the entire NCAA tournament. Um, but I watched less college basketball last year than any year in my from the time I was probably eight years old. Seriously. Because to me, what I love about college sports is the pageantry. I like the fans jumping up and down. I like the crowd the band, getting on top. Yeah. And yeah, the band, like the, the product is not great. It's not. It's not a great product. The encore product, you mean. The That's basketball what I'm saying. Yeah, the basketball. The yeah. The basketball is not great. Sometimes right? even hard to watch. Hard to watch. So now you're going to put it in empty stadiums where the only thing is the basketball. I mean, I just, to me, it just didn't have the same. I college, college basketball was the one to me that it affected the most, the quarantine stuff. I could watch NFL. I could watch college football, NBA, college basketball to me was affected the most. And the other thing was there were, there were elite players that weren't there. In the same way, right? Jalen Green, there, yeah, Jalen Green, Kaminga, even that we're talking about top picks, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think with the drafts, you just got to draft the guys wherever you individually evaluate them, and sometimes that means guys slip down the rankings who you disagree with. Like I think it's a shame that Garuba falls to twenty three, that Cameron Thomas falls to twenty seven. But for those teams, because I I rank those guys higher, I view that as a potential steal. <laughs> you know, it's just all about the way we individually perceive these players. And as teams and organizations, you you if you let the opinions of media and fans influence your decisions, that's your number one mistake. You can't do that. You can't. You just have to do your own evaluations and stick to what you think is best for your own organization. Just in, in other sports, too. I'll never forget. I was so, like, just like, oh, that is so boring. Uh, when I'm a Cowboys fan, and we took Zach Martin out of Notre Dame, a guard. Who cares, right? I mean, Zach Martin's one of the best guards of the last. I mean, he's literally an all-pro caliber guard and was part of one of the best offensive lines you know, that that ever was a couple of years ago. And it's like, okay, so on draft night, I didn't love it. And Cowboys fans were bitching about it. And a lot of them were bitching because guess who was on the board? Johnny Manziel. 
<laughs> and the word goes that, you know, Jerry Jones wanted Johnny Manziel or was talking about it and they overruled him, whatever. I mean, the only thing in the end that matters, did you hit it? The most excited, one of the most excited I've been was when they drafted the corner out of, uh, out of uh, LSU, Mo Claiborne. He stunk. You know, so the only thing that matters in the end, it doesn't matter what any draft analyst says or what your grade is or whatever. It's a zero-sum game. Did you hit the pick or not? If you didn't hit the pick, you, you messed up. If you did hit the pick, then good on you. And people will sing your praises, and one day they'll say, I can't believe they got him at 10. Yeah. You know, yeah. or they'll say, see, no way should that kid have gone 10. Either way. Right. For sure. I mean, I mean, uh, some, sometimes you, I remember back in the Oh four NFL drafts, I wanted the Patriots to draft Steven Jackson who oh, went yeah. on to have an awesome career and then took Vince Wilfork and I was disappointed. Vince Wilfork goes on to become one of the greatest nose tackles in the history of the NFL. The, ne- the next year, I don't even remember who I wanted the Patriots to draft. They got Logan Mankins. I'm like, oh, God, an offensive guard. Logan Mankins, who is this? And then it turns out Logan Mankins has an awesome career protecting the GOAT. Because you are a Patriots <laughs> guy and because it is the GOAT's birthday, he's 44 sure today. Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this story. There's a great book. Like, There's been a lot of them over the course of the last several years now that are like fly on the wall type books right? Where somebody was embedded with a team and, and wrote, obviously there's, you know, from the seventies breaks of the game by David Halberstam, which was the best of the best. Um, but there've been several over the course of the past decade or two, but it's been over a decade now. And I don't know if you know him or not. I believe he's still on the radio in Boston. Uh, and he was formerly, uh, I believe of ESPN, Michael Holly. Yeah, I know Mike Holly. Yep. Great guy. Okay. Awesome guy. Michael Holly's uh, one Michael of the best. Michael Holly wrote one of my favorite sports books. And I'm not a Patriots fan, but it is called Patriot Rain. And Michael Holly was able to spend a year inside. Like Belichick let them in. They let him in. And he wrote this whole book. And I will never forget a story from in there. So they got to the draft. They're all in the war room. And they are going to, uh, their six-round pick is coming up. And they got all the scouts in there, and they got the coaches in there and whatever. And the discussion they had in the war room was, do we take Tom Brady from Michigan or do we take Tim Rattay from Louisiana Tech? And they fought about it. And then they landed on Brady. And it's like, the rest is history. (laughs) What if they yeah, take yeah. Tim Rattay? Mm-hmm. What becomes of Tom Brady? What becomes of, what if Tim Rattay's the best quarterback of all time? <laughs> you know, no, but I mean, seriously, it's one of those, it's a sixth round pick. It's not a huge deal, but that, and, and obviously like when you get into the sixth round, they're, you know, they're picking nits between each other. Like, all right, which, and then somebody wins the argument and they say, fine, take Brady. Like, it wasn't like they were married to. They were arguing as to who they should take between those two guys as another quarterback to bring into camp. And and then he doesn't play much as a rookie, even though he's shining in practices. He drew Bledsoe still the starter entering the second season. And then, boom, Mo Lewis knocks Drew Bledsoe out, out of bounds, Tom Brady in, and 
sometimes opportunity knocks and Tom Brady has never let go, man. Never let go. 44 years old, seven Super Bowls and more to come. And Tim Rattay didn't have much of a career. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. It's a crazy yeah, story. Like Drew Henson back in college when Brady's competing for snaps right. with Henson, whoever, like he's the hot shot. Everybody oh, thinks yeah. he's a two-way pro star. And <laughs> the whole thing. Uh, Tom yep. Brady. Unbelievable. Right, well, hey, look, there's going to be a lot more free agency news. And now we're going to get into trade season where teams are going to start that. Not, like once this free agency stuff starts to settle down later in the week, teams only have, you know, they're not that long to figure out their roster, you know? No, and so not, not long. Quick turnaround yeah, again. Going to get to see what they got in summer league. See if they've got some undrafted that surprise them. See if they, and in fact, tonight, the Utah summer league begins on NBA <sighs> TV. So we'll already be watching some basketball tonight. Yep. <laughs> right? Well, something to discuss on Thursday, maybe Thursday night, Friday morning. When are we recording this week, Chris? Friday yeah. morning? I think, yeah, Friday morning. Back on our usual schedule, Tuesday mornings and Friday mornings. Yep. Uh, so I, I look forward to that. We may have to stay up late on a Thursday night. Jeez, it's going to be way late well, for what you. What game we have Thursday night? 12.15 your time, 11.15 Central, United States, Australia. Oh, wow. That's yeah, the game. Thursday night. That's late. Yeah. It's Thursday night. I'm looking forward to that, Patty man. Mills versus America. Yeah, Matisse Stiebel. I know. Australia. That'd be a good game. That that would be fun. It'd be a really good game. All right, Kev, I'll talk to you on Friday. Uh, Thanks so much to uh, Steve Allman for filling in for us, producing the show today, and we will talk to you later this week. 